The Word of God, the Holy Bible, is a treasure and a gift beyond compare. Every passage of it points to a marvelous truth that God's love for man impelled him to step out of eternity and unite with his creation in order to redeem him from sin. Jesus Christ is both the author and subject of this precious word. Join us at the Superior Word each week as we search out this wonderful gift in search of Christ Jesus. Psalm 76 to the chief musician on stringed instruments, a psalm of Asaph, a song. In Judah, God is known. His name is great in Israel, in Salem, also in his tabernacle, and his dwelling place in Zion. There he broke the arrows of the bow, the shield and sword of battle, Selah. You are more glorious and excellent than the mountains of prey. The stout-hearted were plundered. They have sunk into their sleep, and none of the mighty men have found the use of their hands." At your rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and horse were cast into a dead sleep. You yourself are to be feared, and who may stand in your presence when once you are angry? You caused judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still when God arose to judgment to deliver all the oppressed of the earth, Selah. Surely the wrath of man shall praise you. With the remainder of wrath, you shall gird yourself. Make vows to the Lord your God and pay them. Let all who are around him bring presents to him, who ought to be feared. He shall cut off the spirit of princes. He is awesome to the kings of the earth. Okay, our sermon verses today are Numbers 4, 21 through 49. This is entitled, Service of the Tent of Meeting. So, Numbers 4, starting in verse 21, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also take a census of the sons of Gershon by their father's house, by their families. From 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, you shall number them, all who enter to perform the service, to do the work in the tabernacle of meeting. This is the service of the families of the Gershonites in serving and carrying. They shall carry the curtains of the tabernacle and the tabernacle of meeting with its covering. The covering of badger skins that is on it the screen for the door of the tabernacle of meeting, the screen for the door of the gate of the court, of the hangings of the court, which are around the tabernacle and altar, and their cords, all the furnishings for their service, and all that is made for these things, so they shall serve. Aaron and his sons shall assign all the service of the sons of the Gershonites, all their tasks and all their service. And you shall appoint to them all their tasks as their duty." This is the service of the families of the sons of Gershon in the tabernacle of meeting, and their duties shall be under the authority of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. As for the sons of Merari, you shall number them by their families and by their father's house. From 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, you shall number them, everyone who enters the service to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. And this is what they must carry as all their service for the tabernacle of meeting, the boards of the tabernacle, its bars, its pillars, its sockets, and the pillars around the court with their sockets, pegs, and cords with all their furnishings and all their service. And you shall assign to each man by name the items he must carry. This is the service of the families of the sons of Merari, as all their service for the tabernacle of meeting under the authority of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. And Moses and Aaron and the leaders of the congregation numbered the sons of the Kohathites by their families and by their father's house. From 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, everyone who entered the service for work in the tabernacle of meeting, and those who were numbered by their families were 2,750. 
These were the ones who were numbered of the families of the Kohathites, all who might serve in the tabernacle of meeting, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses. And those who were numbered of the sons of Gershom by their families and by their father's house from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, everyone who entered the service for work in the tabernacle of meeting, those who were numbered by their families, by their father's house, were 2,630. These are the ones who were numbered of the families of the sons of Gershon, of all who might serve in the tabernacle of meeting, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the commandment of the Lord. Those of the families of the sons of Merari who were numbered by their families, by their father's house, from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, everyone who entered the service for work, in the tabernacle of meeting, those who were numbered by their families were 3,200. These are the ones who were numbered of the families of the sons of Merari, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the word of the Lord, by the hand of Moses, all who were numbered of the Levites, whom Moses and Aaron and the leaders of Israel numbered by their families and by their father's houses, from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, everyone who came to do the work of the service and the work of bearing burdens in the tabernacle of meeting, those who were numbered were 8,580. According to the commandment of the Lord, they were numbered by the hand of Moses, each according to his service and according to his task. Thus were they numbered by him as the Lord commanded Moses. Heavenly Father, we certainly pray for wisdom in your word. We pray for wisdom in our lives and in our interactions with others. And we would ask that you would help us to always have a spirit of Christ in us, no matter what happens in this life, that we would understand uh, that you, your will is for us to be in harmony with one another and to also adhere to the precepts of your word, knowing that your word is glorious and it gives us wonderful insights into the marvelous work of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So it's in his name that we commit this service to you and we pray to you. Amen. While reading commentaries on our verses today, I had to laugh at one which was such a contrast to what we see recorded here in Scripture. Moses is given methodical instructions about how to break down the tent of meeting, which he then passes on to the people. In verse 32, for some particularly heavy tasks which are being described, we are told that each man was to be assigned the items of his burden. There are several reasons for the specificity, as we will see when we get there. But E.H. Palmer, in his book, The Desert of Exodus, says the following about the Arabs who dwelt in tents while he was visiting the land. He said, the task of apportioning the loads is always a difficult one. The Arabs scream and struggle as though about to engage in a sanguinary fight. And each one, as he gets the opportunity, will seize upon the lightest things which he can find. And if not immediately repressed, will hasten off to his camel with about a quarter of his proper load, leaving his comrades to fight over the heavier burdens. Now that sounds about right for a majority of the people of the world. Maybe the Arabs were more so in this regard. I'm not sure. But I'll check with my Arab friend, Rhoda, the next time I see her. If I come back with a black eye, you'll know that she didn't find my question worth answering. But then that might just validate the person's observations anyway about Arabs engaging in sanguinary fights. Our text verse comes from Colossians chapter 3. It's verses 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul says to let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom. 
The only way that we can do this is to read and study the word of God. When he wrote that, all there was of scripture was the Old Testament. But is that same body of scriptures that he says to have dwelling in us richly in all wisdom. He said that because he knew and understood that those same scriptures talk about one overarching subject, which is Jesus Christ. His letters were written to explain that. He probably had no idea that what he was writing would become a part of that same marvelous body known as the Holy Bible. And because this is so, everything that we are seeing is either directly pointing to Christ and his redemptive work, or it is typical of it, such as the case with today's seemingly unimportant passage. I won't deny that reading it is difficult, and it is often overwhelming, but it reveals both the nature and the ways of God. Who would have thought that the stories of Jacob and Joseph and others would have fit so perfectly into the redemptive workings of God? But they do. Even mentioning Leah's weak eyes had a reason. Does anybody remember why the Bible focused on Leah's weak eyes? It was because she pictures the law. You have Rachel, which is grace, and Leah, who is the law. Her eyes were weak, indicating the weakness of the law. Everything points to Christ if you're simply willing to look at it. So there you go with that. So it is today's with continuation of chapter 4. It all fits into the patterns of other things. The meticulous care of every detail of the tent of meeting points directly to the meticulous care of God's promises concerning our salvation and future glorification. Not a single detail is overlooked in one because not a single detail is overlooked in the other. On the other hand, John Lang says, in tracing this typical import, one must avoid attaching special significance to each minor detail. He notes that a variety of details is at times necessary to express one truth. I will grant that, but I will still state that each minor detail is necessary and not without significance. If it isn't, then it wouldn't be included in the Word of God. And so we need to be careful about spiritualizing things in Scripture. Context needs to be maintained, and if we do spiritualize a passage, we need to do it in a way which reveals what God is doing or has done Not what we want the word to say. That's a very common problem with people in the world today as they spiritualize things in the Bible to get it to say what they want it to say. It is a fine line because by spiritualizing things, we are making the assumption that we have figured out what God intends for us to see. If we are wrong, that is not the happiest place to be. And so when we follow this path, we need to make sure that we give the caveat that we really aren't sure unless we feel we really are sure. For now, we'll get into the verses, and then we will try to figure out what they may be telling us. Great things are to be found in his superior word. And so let's turn to that precious word once again, and may God speak to us through his word today, and may his glorious name ever be praised. I have three thoughts for you today. The first is the duties of Gershon and Merari. It's verses 21 through 33. Verse 21, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Unlike verse 4-1, the Lord only speaks to Moses now instead of Moses and Aaron. This is a continuation of what was introduced in 4-1, but it deals with the sons of Gershon rather than the sons of Kohath. The section will continue on through the details concerning the sons of Merari as well. Verses 22 through 28 first deal with Gershon. Verse 22, also take a census of the sons of Gershon by their father's house, by their families. 
Gershon is the oldest son of Levi, but he is listed second in this census because the Kohathites are more closely associated with the priestly line of Aaron, and to them belong the most sacred duties, especially the details concerning the service of the sanctuary, meaning the most holy implements. Gershon's responsibilities will be for more exterior parts of the sanctuary. However, the same formula for the census is used again now. Verse 23, from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, you shall number them, all who enter to perform the service to do the work in the tabernacle of meeting. It is the same designation for Gershon as was for Kohath. A 20-year period of service is designated for work in the tent of meeting. And again, the words translated as perform service are litzvot savah. In essence, it says all who wage the war for working the work. Thus, like Kohath, they are considered the hosts of the Lord, performing the warfare of God as his sacred military force. Verse 24, this is the service of the families of the Gershonites in serving and carrying. A more literal translation of this would be, this is the labor of the families of the Gershonites for working and for burden. There's a call to physical labors, and that call includes working and bearing burden. Verse 25, they shall carry the curtains of the tabernacle and the tabernacle of meeting with its covering. It is not a well-translated verse. First, unlike the most holy objects, these items now will not be carried. They will be placed on carts for transport. Secondly, two separate words and ideas are both sadly translated as tabernacle here. It should read, and they shall lift up the curtains of the tabernacle and the tent of meeting. Three things are specified. First, the curtains of the tabernacle are the actual tabernacle, as is noted in Exodus 26, verse 6. And the boards of support, which will be taken down later, are subsidiary to the curtains. The curtains of the tent of meeting are goat's hair, as is seen in Exodus 26, 7, and its covering consists of the ram skins, which go over that. After that comes, verse 25 continues, the covering of badger skins that is on it. This is the outermost covering, which is the hide of sea animals, not badger skins. Along with that, they are to take up, verse 25 continues, the screen for the door of the tabernacle of meeting. This is the outer screen for entrance into the tent of meeting, described in Exodus 26, verse 36. It, like all other things mentioned, forms a beautiful picture of Christ. Specifically, it looks to Jesus in John 10, verse 7, where he says, I am the door. Verse 26, the screen for the door of the gate of the court, the hangings of the court, which are around the tabernacle and altar. For some bizarre reason, the New King James Version changes the order of the words. Every other version got it right but them. It should read, and the hangings of the court and the screen for the door of the gate of the court. They've taken and they've turned them around. And the only thing I can think of is they don't want to be accused of plagiarism, so they simply change the words around and they use the same words. Other than that, I can't think of a reason why somebody would do what they did. The hangings that are being described here are the white curtains which encompass the entire sanctuary. The screen is the actual entrance into the courtyard of the sanctuary. It is detailed in Exodus 27, verse 16. The screen looks to Christ in John 14, verse 6, when he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Each one of these things is picturing the work of the Lord Jesus. Verse 26 continues, And their cords, all the furnishings for their service, and all that is made for these things, so they shall serve. 
This is everything associated with the things just mentioned, except for those things which will be designated for Merari to carry. All of these related items are the responsibility of Gershon. Verse 27. Aaron and his sons shall assign all the service of the sons of the Gershonites, all their tasks and all their service, and you shall appoint to them all their tasks as their duty. The Hebrew reads, at the mouth of Aaron and his sons. They are the overseers of what work is to be performed, and from the direction of their mouths, the Gershonites are to receive the instruction and perform the tasks. Aaron and his sons have been given the watch, or the charge, of the Lord. They, in turn, pass on the charge for the conduct of that watch. Verse 28, this is the service of the families of the sons of Gershon in the tabernacle of meeting, and their duties shall be under the authority of Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest. Ithamar is the youngest son of Aaron. The charge of the Gershonites is bayad, or in the hand of him. The hand thus signifies authority. It is Ithamar who was given the task of superintending the original inventory of the tabernacle in Exodus 28, verse 31. There it was also noted as Bayad, or in the hand of him. Verse 29, as for the sons of Merari, you shall number them by their families and by their father's house. The attention is now directed to Merari, the youngest son of Levi. However, this is still under the same main section, which began in verse 21. Verse 30, from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, you shall number them, everyone who enters the service to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. The formula is repeated from verse 23 with a few minor differences in the Hebrew, but again, the word service is literally for warfare. Like his other two brothers, Merari is given to performing the warfare of the Lord as a sacred military force. Verse 31, And this is what they must carry as all their service for the tabernacle of meeting, the boards of the tabernacle, its bars, its pillars, its sockets. Again, there is confusion in the translation. They are given assignments for all their service for the tent of meeting, not the tabernacle of meeting. It then says the boards of the tabernacle. Two different things are being described here. The boards are the support structure of the curtain of the tabernacle. It's hard to figure how people can rightly picture what is being described when translators don't convey what is being said in the Hebrew. It's very, yeah, absolutely. Stick to the word of God and stick to it as it is written. The boards, bars, pillars, and sockets were all described in Exodus 26 and 36. Cumulatively, they are the heaviest of the items and thus the greatest burden. However, Like those which were mentioned for Gershon, these will be transported on wagons, not on the shoulders of men. And further, Merari is the largest family of Levi. Verse 32, And the pillars around the court with their sockets, pegs, and cords, with all their furnishings and all their service, and you shall assign to each man by name the items he must carry. The items given to Merari are assigned by name. The reason is that there is a large number of items. Many were small, and there was a great variety of them. And because of this, they were inventoried and a careful designation was made of who would have the responsibility for them. It shows us that the Lord is meticulous in his attention to even the smallest matters and to the care of even the most trivial of things. Further, it shows that the Lord is directing that the workload be handled fairly. A sluggard could potentially go pick up a few tent pegs and say that he did his portion. As this is so, we can rightly deduce that we are, one, expected to be similarly attentive to those things we are responsible for, and two, we are to carry a load sufficient for the proper running of the church, 
not expecting everyone else to bear the heavy burden while we file our fingernails. And three, nothing we do for the Lord, nothing, nothing we do for the Lord will be overlooked or ignored. Verse 33, this is the service of the families of the sons of Merari as all their service for the tabernacle of meeting under the authority of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. This is similar to the words of verse 28, showing that all stated for Merari has been appointed to them. They are under the authority of Ithamar, Aaron's youngest son. Work to be done in the service of our Lord. We will respond when he makes the call. We shall be obedient to his every word and not a word that he speaks shall be allowed to fall. We are his servants, and to our duties we shall attend. And so we will respond when he makes the call. We shall work throughout our years until we come to the end, and not a word that he speaks shall be allowed to fall. And we shall be faithful to do our fair share. Yes, we shall carefully tend to our duties when he makes the call, tending to our tasks with faithfulness and care. And no, not a word that he speaks shall be allowed to fall. Our second thought today is everyone who entered the service for work. It's verses 34 through 49. Verse 34, And Moses, Aaron, and the leaders of the congregation numbered the sons of the Kohathites by their families and by their father's house. There has been an orderly movement of concepts all the way since chapter 1. There was the record of the genealogies of each tribe as a census of the men able to go to war. Then there was the arranging of those tribes by standards around the sanctuary. After that came the genealogies of Aaron, starting with him and his sons. Then came the calling of the Levites and their presentation to Aaron and his sons, taking them in the place of the firstborn of Israel. Then a census of the Levites by family was taken. After this came the dedication of the Levites in place of the firstborn sons of Israel. Then came the duties of each individual family, and now there will be another counting of Levites who are capable of the actual warfare and labor of the Lord. The chapters have been long, they've been detailed, and they've been very repetitive, causing many to lose focus on how orderly things actually are in them. Everything so far has been perfectly arranged for that which is necessary to meet every need which exists In this special census, Moses, Aaron, and the congregational leaders were there to number the men, starting with the Kohathites, who were, verse 35, from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, everyone who entered the service for work in the tabernacle of meeting. It is a census of those already expected to serve from Kohath, as specified way back up in verse 3. The words of this verse and verse 3 are exceedingly similar. Verse 36, and those who were numbered by their families were 2,750. Kohath was the largest family overall with 8,600 males. However, it is the second largest available in workers at 2,750. Proportionately, they have the least available of all at 32% of their people. Verse 37, then there were the ones who were numbered of the families of the Kohathites, all who might serve in the tabernacle of meeting, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses. The duties laid out in verses 4-4 through 4-15 are designated to be accomplished by these 2,750 men. Verse 38, and those who were numbered from the sons of Gershon, by their families and by their father's house. The numbering of Gershon was mandated in verse 21. That census is now conducted of those, verse 39, from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, everyone who entered the service for work in the tabernacle of meeting. To the last letter, the words are identical to verse 35. Verse 40, those who are numbered by their families, by their father's house, were 2,630. 
Gershon is the second largest family overall with 7,500 males. However, it is the third largest in available workers at 2,630 at 35%. Verse 41, these are the ones who are numbered of the families of the sons of Gershon, of all who might serve in the tabernacle of meeting, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the commandment of the Lord. The duties laid out in verses 4, 24 through 26 are designated to be accomplished by these 2,630 men. Verse 42, those of the families of the sons of Merari, who are numbered by their families by their father's house. The numbering of Merari was mandated in verse 29. That census is now conducted of those, verse 43, from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, everyone who entered the service for work in the tabernacle of meeting. To the last letter, the words are again identical to verse 35. Verse 44, those who were numbered by their families were 3,200. Merari was the smallest family overall with 6,200 males. However, it is the largest in available workers at 3,200. Proportionally, they have the greatest number available of all. More than one half of their number are acceptable for service. Though they have the greatest burdens and overall weight, their jobs will be more evenly spread out through their great number of available men, and the loads will be borne in wagons. Thus, there's an interesting equaling of the overall burden between these three families. Verse 45, these are the ones who are numbered of the families of the sons of Merari, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. The duties laid out in verses 4, 31 and 32 are designated to be accomplished by these 3,200 men. This means that Merari stands at 52% of males who are readily available for service. Verse 46, all who are numbered of the Levites, whom Moses, Aaron, and the leaders of Israel numbered by their families and by their fathers' houses. The verse sets the stage for the next verse to come. Accounting of the Levites has been made by Moses, Aaron, and the 12 leaders of the other tribes. It has been conducted like the previous census of Levites by their families and by their fathers' houses. But with the important difference that it is those who are numbered are, verse 47, from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old. It is the span of those who are of the proper age to serve the Lord. A 20-year span of their lives is so dedicated to this holy service. It comprises, verse 47 continues, everyone who came to do the work of service and the work of bearing burdens in the tabernacle of meeting. The words of this clause refrain from including the term sava or warfare. Instead, the focus is heavily upon the labors of service. It reads in the Hebrew, all that came for the laboring of the labor of labor and the labor of burden in the tent of meeting. The repetition is a stress all its own of the magnitude of what must be accomplished. But it is a task which will be readily handled because of the suitable number of qualified men to attend to it, which consists of, verse 48, those who are numbered were 8,580. Out of 22,273 Levites from a month old and up, 8,580 are qualified to serve based on their age. This reflects 38.5% of the total males, and it is a number wholly sufficient to have the tasks they are responsible for tended to quickly and without any undue burden on any people. I know these percentages because I wanted to know. I sat down and I figured out once again, because I always forget, how do you figure out a percentage? And then I figured out what the percentage of each one of them were. And then I started reading commentaries again and somebody had already done the percentages. So I wasted my time. But there you go. This is what happens when you 
do one thing at a time instead of reading the whole thing and whatever. Verse 49, according to the commandment of the Lord, they were numbered by the hand of Moses, each according to his service and according to his task. Thus they were numbered by him. The words here are words of obedience. The Hebrew says, according to the mouth of Jehovah. The Lord spoke out the word, and under Moses' authority, the census was taken. The duties were explained, and the people were numbered for those duties accordingly. As has been seen time and time again, Moses faithfully performs the duties required of him, both personally and through those under his authority. Just, verse 49 finishes, as the Lord commanded Moses. The Lord gave the tzavah, or command, and his words were carried out exactly as the command was given. There is a time to serve and a time for that to end. During our time of service, we shall faithfully heed the call. We shall not be slack, nor the rules shall we bend. Not a single duty shall be allowed to fall. Our faithfulness is being judged, so the Lord does see. And so in our time of service, we should faithfully heed the call. All things we will do well, tending to them carefully. Not a single duty shall be allowed to fall. For great is our God, and to him we put forth our work, so that in our time of service we shall faithfully heed the call. No duty that is required shall we set aside or shirk. No, not a single duty shall be allowed to fall. Our third thought today is carrying away the sanctuary. The tent of meeting was a temporary edifice where the Lord dwelt. It was a structure with various parts. As we have seen, all of them point to the person of Jesus Christ. It was assembled for his dwelling. It was broken down and carried to a new location, and it was then reassembled for him to dwell in. That looked forward to Christ's coming and dwelling in a human body. We saw this so clearly during the Exodus sermons. For Israel, the tent of meeting itself looked forward to a permanent temple once they arrived in the land of promise. Just as Christ put on temporary garments of flesh, so he has also put on his eternal body, never to die again after having paid the sin debt for his people. But the temple in Jerusalem only looks forward to the further and true temple, the final temple where the saints will dwell and which they will be a part of for all eternity there in the new Jerusalem. It will be a true and eternal temple, an edifice made by God for man to dwell it is where, as the book of Revelation says, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. As you can see, there's an overlapping of things, one thing leading to the next. And in each, Jesus is the central focus of what is occurring. But the Bible speaks of other similar tents, those of his people. Peter spoke of his coming death and what that meant in 2 Peter. Here's what Peter says. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off this tent, just as the Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Likewise, Paul speaks of all believers in the same way. Here's what he says. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our own habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. 
Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has also given us the spirit as a guarantee. Does anybody feel the same way as I do? I want that to happen. And I, 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 there's nothing keeping me here in this body. I can't wait. I earnestly groan or whatever term he used. Where did he say that? Yeah, we groan earnestly. Man, I groan earnestly that that'll come. Get me out of this body. Get me into my permanent dwelling place. I can't wait. As Christ had a tent similar to ours, we can then equate our tent with his. Though he never saw corruption, the pattern of taking down the sanctuary by the Levites mirrors what will happen to us. It is an emblem of what Peter endured and what we may also endure if the Lord tarries. First, Aaron and his sons went in and covered all of the most holy things. Once they were covered, they were carried away by those who served under them from Kohath. It is representative of the soul of man, his very existence being taken by the Lord. Covered over is a sacred treasure invested to him alone. Man is sealed with the Holy Spirit, and when he calls on Christ, that is when it happens. That is according to Ephesians chapter 1, where it says, The guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. So the believer dies, safely covered over and protected by his Lord. Next, the coverings of the sanctuary are removed by Gershon. It is no different than what happens to man when he dies. His own covering, first his skin, and then his flesh is removed as his body begins to deteriorate. After the coverings are removed, the next stage is for Merari to come and take down the boards, remove the poles and cords, and complete the job of removing all that is left. When they are done, only the earth remains in its place. Likewise, after our skin and flesh is removed, the bones and the sinews come apart. Eventually, unless fossilization occurs, nothing but earth is left once again. Job speaks of the formation of man in this temporary tent that we possess. He says, Your hands have made me and fashioned me an intricate unity, yet you would destroy me. Remember, I pray that you have made me like clay, and will you turn me into dust again? Did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese, clothe me with skin and flesh, and knit me together with bones and sinews? You have granted me life and favor, and your care has preserved my spirit. This is the state of man in Christ when the Lord calls him out of his earthly tent. But the tent of meeting wasn't taken down and then never rebuilt again. Rather, the very purpose of taking it down so carefully and meticulously was to raise it up again. The holy contents are the guarantee of that. The edifice was constructed and erected to contain them. And so our precious holy contents found in this temporary tent are intended to have a dwelling and to be in that dwelling. And so Christ has promised in his word that we too shall be built again, not with hands and a temporary body, but as Paul says, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. The labors of Levi were exacting, they were meticulously handled, and they were set any time the Lord called on them to be accomplished. They didn't know if they would be in one place for a day or for a year, and they didn't know if they would march for 100 paces or for 20 miles. But once they were done marching, they would immediately return to set up the edifice once again. We don't know the span of our lives. God may leave us here for one more day, or he may leave us here for 120 long years. But when the Lord calls, we depart this tent, and our contents will be safely conducted through the intervening days or ages until it is time for us to be called again to live in his presence. His servants are attentive to his call, and his people shall be brought back at his word. 
be assured of this and be confident that the guarantee with which you are sealed is just that. It is a guarantee. And finally, in a similar way to the construction and reconstruction of the sanctuary, so Israel will be revitalized in the days to come. The process of their renewal is found in Ezekiel chapter 37, which is known as the Valley of Dry Bones. The Lord told Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones in order for them to come together, and they did. First the bones, then the sinews, and then the flesh, and then the skin. So Israel has been rebuilt, but to this day, there is no breath of God in them. The Bible says that first they will come together, and only then does the Lord say, I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. The promises of God will never fail, and he uses symbolism of various sorts to show us spiritual truths. And these symbols can and do overlap in how they are expressed because God is consistent in how he deals with man, which is faithfully. He made sure promises to Israel, and Israel will revitalize as a spirit-filled group of people someday. And he has made sure promises to us as well because of his faithfulness to Israel and indeed simply because of his faithfulness, we can be assured that his promises to us will likewise be realized. Let us not falter in our faith in his sure promises. We have a sister in this church right now who lost her father this past week and he's a believer in the Lord and there are promises that have been made to him and to all who believe in the Lord that they will be brought back to not just a crummy perishable tent that I hate to say it but stinks and breaks down and has all kinds of problems and troubles and we all know it we're all getting old there I see gray hair all over this place we know that this is true but God has promised us something much better I'm not picking anybody I got it in my beard too okay he's promised us something far far better and it is coming in some glorious day there's going to be a trumpet that sounds and if our sister is still alive at that time she's going to rise and guess what she's going to be there with her father to meet the Lord in the air and thus it says, we shall always be with the Lord. This is the promise. It's not just a vain hope. I got to tell you what, people say, ah, oh, religion's, you know, it's nothing. And you got Buddhists and they believe this and you got Hindus and they believe that. And that's fine. God has allowed people to make whatever choices they want. They can make up religions all day long and he doesn't intervene in that. But he has given us the truth of his son, the coming of Jesus Christ. And it starts in Genesis 1 verse 1. And it goes all the way to Revelation 22, verse, uh, let's see here, 21. It goes all the way from one verse to the very last verse and everything in between. God is reaching out to us to tell us the glorious story of what he has done in Jesus Christ. And so we should have a grounded hope, not just a, a hope, an uncertain hope, but a grounded hope that this is the truth. I have no doubt in my mind that it is. We've gone through way too many verses since Genesis 1-1 that have shown us that this is way beyond anything that anybody could do just by chance, all right? It wasn't pre-planned by Moses. He couldn't have seen a year in advance, much less thousands of years, and yet we're coming up with things in this word constantly that are being revealed because of the mind of God being revealed through his people. It is astonishing. So let's have faith. Let's be sure in what we believe. Let's trust in Christ to save us first and then to keep his promise that not only has he saved us, but that he will give us eternal life forever. All right, this is what I would ask you to do during times of trouble, during times of disquiet in your life, during times of disharmony or, or sadness or sickness or whatever. Have faith in the Lord's promises. Everything will come out as it should. All right?
Our closing verse comes from Ephesians chapter 2. It's verses 19 through 22. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. That's a promise, folks. If you are in Jesus Christ, let the little things go. Trust in the Lord. Trust in his promises and know that whatever is happening in this world, it is temporary. We have something far, far better ahead of us. All right. Next week, Numbers 5, verses 1 through 10. It's better than being Rolexed or Mercedes-Benz. It's entitled, A Conscience Cleansed. That'll be our ninth number sermon. I couldn't think of, I went through all the rhyme sites looking for a word that rhymed with cleansed, nothing. So I had to make one up. There you go. The Lord has you exactly where he wants you. He has a good plan and a purpose for you. It may seem at times as if you are lost in the desert, wandering aimlessly, but the Lord is there. Okay? He's carefully leading you to the land of promise. So follow him and trust him and he will do marvelous things for you and through you, okay? I got a poem for you. Wasn't that a fun sermon? I'm telling you what, just difficult verses and there were a lot of them. I mean, that was like, normally we do a sermon in Genesis or Exodus of five, six verses and we got like 50 of them there, but it went quickly because it's the Lord just being very precise. He's being very precise. He's showing us, you know, just larger detail to get to a more fine point. All right, wonderful stuff. Service of the Tent of Meeting. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, making this to him known. Also take a census of the sons of Gershon, by their father's house, by their families, from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old. You shall number them, all who enter to perform the service, to do the work in the tabernacle of meeting, as you are told. This is the service of the families of the Gershonites, in serving and carrying these are their rights. They shall carry the curtains of the tabernacle and the tabernacle of meeting with its covering too, the covering of badger skins that is on it, the screen for the door of the tabernacle of meeting, so they shall do. The screen for the door of the gate of the court, the hangings of the court which are around the tabernacle and altar, and the cords, all the furnishings for their service, and all that is made for these things, so they shall serve and not falter. Aaron and his sons shall assign all the service of the sons of the Gershonites, so he shall do, all the tasks and all their service, and you shall appoint to them all their tasks as their duty too. This is the service of the families of the sons of Gershon. In the tabernacle of meeting, these duties to them are released, and their duties shall be under the authority of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. As for the sons of Merari, this is how things are to be. You shall number them by their families and by their father's house too, from 30 years old and above, even at 50 years old, you shall number them, everyone who enters the service to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting, so you shall do. And this is what they must carry as their service for the tabernacle of meeting, you see, the boards of the tabernacle, its bars, its pillars, its sockets, so shall it be. And the pillars around the court with their sockets, pegs, and cords, this is the game plan, with all their furnishings and all their service, and you shall assign by name the items he must carry to each man. This is the service of the families of the sons of Merari, as all their service for the tabernacle of meeting, under the authority of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest, to them these directions you shall be repeating. And Moses, Aaron, and the leaders of the congregation numbered the sons of the co 
Noathites, as they were told by their families and by their father's house, from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old. Everyone who entered the service for the work in the tabernacle of meeting, a number quite nifty, and those who were numbered by their families were 2,750. These were the ones who were numbered of the families of the Kohathites, all who might serve in the tabernacle of meeting as we now understand, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the commandment of the Lord by Moses' hand. And those who are numbered of the sons of Gershon by their families in their father's house, so we are told from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, everyone who entered the service for work in the tabernacle of meeting, those who were numbered by their families in the call by their father's house were 2,630 in all. These are the ones who are numbered of the families of the sons of Gershon, according to the word of all who might serve in the tabernacle of meeting, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the commandment of the Lord. Those of the families of the sons of Merari who were numbered by their families, by their father's house, and by their seating from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, everyone who entered the service for work in the tabernacle of meeting, those who were numbered in their families' roles were 3,200 souls. These are the ones who were numbered of the families of the sons of Merari, as we now understand, whom Moses and Aaron numbered, according to the word of the Lord by Moses' hand. All who were numbered of the Levites, whom Moses, Aaron, and the leaders of Israel numbered, so we are told, by their families and by their fathers' houses, from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old. Everyone who came to do the work of service and the work of bearing burdens in the tabernacle of meeting, a number quite weighty. Those who were numbered were 8,580. According to the commandment of the Lord, they were numbered by Moses' hand, each according to his service and according to his task. Thus they were numbered by him as the Lord commanded Moses, so we are now made to understand. Lord God, we are even now in a wilderness, and we are wanting to be led by you. Without you to direct our lives, they would be a mess, and so be our guide, O God, you who are faithful and true. We long for the water in this barren land. May it flow forth from the rock, our souls to satisfy. Give us this refreshing spiritual hand, and may we take it into our lives daily. It apply. And we shall be content and satisfied in you alone. We will follow you as we sing our songs of praise. Hallelujah to you, to us, your path you have shown. Hallelujah, we shall sing to you for all of our days. Hallelujah and amen. amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for the chance to uh, go through these verses and to understand that details are there for a reason. And because you're a God of order, a God of logic, a God of harmony, and a God who monitors every single detail so that nothing is left out, nothing is missing, and everything will come out as it should. Thank you for the people that were responsible for tending to these things, and they did faithfully do so, and they've given us pictures, wonderful pictures of your son who came and fulfilled all of these pictures. And Lord, we thank you for the chance to take the Lord's Supper here in just a moment. And we commit it to you. We thank you for what you've done in the giving of your son so that we could have life once again. And we will continue to take this until he returns for us because he is worthy of all of our consideration day and night, morning and day, and from weekend to weekend and Sunday to Sunday. We just want to focus on him and give him our hearts, our attentions, our focus, our love, our devotion to you through him and in his name we pray. Amen.